0: From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis for more than 20 years.
1: Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide.
0: Hi, I'm your co host, Pat Mitchell-Whirley.
1: And I'm Jared Boyd.
0: This week on Bill Street Caravan, we're celebrating 60 years of green onions in a special anniversary performance by Booker T. Jones.
1: Grammy-nominated blues man Guy Davis will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee, brought to you by the Blues Foundation.
0: That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, JB.
1: This week, we're taking a time warp to commemorate 60 years of one of the most seminal songs in Memphis soul, Green Onions.
0: That's not all. This exclusive performance from Booker T. Jones also marked the announcement of Stax Museum's 20th anniversary.
1: Of course, the moment is near and dear to us both, what with each of us having an integral role to the production. I guess it's fitting that we let our friends and faithful listeners of Bill Street Caravan in to experience some of the electric sounds and reflections from this incredible afternoon of music.
0: Yes, recently having been named as the CEO of the Soulsville Foundation, the organization in which the Sachs Museum is a coveted part of, I kicked off this particular event with detailed information about the museum's history and future plans we've crafted to elevate its impact on the local and global music-loving community.
1: And I closed out the afternoon with a -a once-in-a-lifetime sit-down interview with my hero and dear friend, Mr. Booker T. Jones. I still have to pinch myself that I can say any part of that sentence.
0: Hey, sit still. I'll pinch you. (laughs) I wouldn't miss that opportunity. But you could return the favor, because I'm still pinching myself, that we were witnesses to that day's performance by Booker, who played alongside a group of Memphis musicians who you could probably close your eyes and be fooled into believing were the actual MGs. Whew.
1: Well, of course they aren't the original musicians who gathered to play alongside Booker on his famous recordings, but the group did provide a fresh and inspired take on the source material. Fitting for the celebration, the trio of instrumentalists were a sibling outfit known as the Franklin Brothers, who, while being quite literally 60 years removed from Booker in age, played a spirited tribute to the legendary musician's career.
0: And if that isn't enough to wake up your spirit and shake you to your soul, the fact that the room the concert took place in is a replica of the very same room Booker joined Steve Cropper, Louis Steinberg, and Al Jackson Jr. to record the original Green Onion song.
1: In previous conversations I've had with Mr. Jones, he shared that whenever he visits the museum, he has to remind himself that he's not actually returned to the past. The room still transfixes him, awakening his creative spirit, replica or not.
0: No question he has tons of memories tied to that physical space, as it was ground zero for his professional career. He was still a high school student when he first stepped foot inside of Stax to aid in the recording of Rufus and Carla Thomas's Cause I Love You.
1: Now in his 70s, he's not only widely regarded as the architect of Memphis soul, but has contributed to various other genres, including production behind the likes of Bill Withers, Carlos Santana, and Willie Nelson, just to name a few.
0: A lot can happen in 60 years, JP, especially when you continue to innovate and try new sounds with new people.
1: And such is certainly true of his time with the Franklin brothers, who joined to create a new sound with the other MG's classics that they play with Booker T, such as Hip Hugger and Time is Tight.
0: It's really amazing to see fresh faces embracing the Memphis Soul sound. And that exchange across generations is at the core of the mission of the Soulsville Foundation, Stax Museum, and Stax Music Academy.
1: And it just so happens, coincidentally, in this case, that all three of those faces were pretty much the same. Those Franklin brothers look just alike. Here they are with Booker T. Jones live on Bill Street Caravan. Oh, those are triplets right is that what we just saw the Franklin triplets that's they were amazing right give it up for them oh, thank you, thank you. I rather enjoyed that
2: well the Memphis Franklins the Memphis
1: Franklins there we go we're back again wouldn't Mr. be Jones. the first
2: Franklin from Memphis
1: wouldn't be CL yeah, well he lived here well, we're gonna talk about Mr Booker T Jones we're gonna you know I can nerd out with you Good to see you again. I'm glad to be Thank back you. here with you. I think we switched seats last time I was over there, and you were here a few years back. We were celebrating the uh, release of your memoir, name time is tight, mm-hmm. um, my life note by note, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been it's been about almost three years now since that conversation that we had together. I'm sure you've had some time to reflect on. Just, I mean, what it, what it, what the memoir meant to you and your life and that time and, and that release. There were a lot in those pages. Uh, could you share with everyone at this point? I mean, just to bring us up to speed for those who were here then and those who are here now. What you learned from from that experience, from opening yourself up in that way?
2: Well, um, putting my life on paper like that in words was a sobering experience, um, in many ways. Um, um, It takes time and uh, stops it in one one location, because my life continued after the book. But I wrote about events before the book, and uh, um, the written word is just, uh, you know, there's something kind of unforgiving about it. (laughs) Um, And so it makes you look back and and see the truth, and then you have to decide whether to tell the truth or not. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) So that was my first uh, dilemma in writing the book. Um, but I did have a, a story uh, that I felt was, had been good for me and it was worth telling and, and I enjoyed writing it. Beautiful. Uh, we're also,
1: last we sat together, it was November, we were celebrating your birthday. It's almost that time of year again. Um, we're gonna celebrate a little early, if that's all right with you. We're gonna go ahead and clap it up for him. We sang for him last time, but we're gonna <laughs> clap it up because you won't see him on, on his birthday.
2: Thank you so much.
1: As you approach this new year of life for you, uh, where's,
2: where's your mindset and, and what are you excited about? Well, this moment right now, <clears throat> being here in this town for this purpose is, is what my life is about right now. and uh, it's kind of amazing to me that I've reached this point and I'm um, just you know pretty much um, overtaken with getting the, uh, the, the Memphis Music uh, Award. We're gonna get to that uh, Memphis Music Hall of Fame
1: uh, achievement that you have coming up on the horizon, mm-hmm. uh, but we're celebrating another anniversary today. Green Onions, uh, sixty years old. Not, not necessarily today, as Jeff mentioned earlier. Vaguely, this time of year mm-hmm. it was recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, you, last time we sat down and you, you looked out into Studio A here, this this uh, this facade of of. of a, a, a building and a space and a room mm-hmm. that you spent so much time in mm-hmm. you mentioned that it was, it was tough for you to, to, to not feel like you were actually in the, the real actual Studio a. I mean it's, 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 it's pretty close even for, for your mind it, it, it took you to Studio A and to that time is, it, is that still the same and when you think back over 60 years of Green Onions does, does mm-hmm. the memory of that recording come mm-hmm. to you in this mm-hmm. space or, mm-hmm. or do you have mm-hmm. any other memories that, that you think of when you walk into this room
2: Yes, it's educating me. Uh, it, it is definitely a, a location on the earth here uh, that's special, and we're sitting here right now, and uh, it's just uh, inducive to making music. It's just a, uh, uh, I mean, uh, something that seems illogical, but, uh, but it's obviously true to me anyway. Uh, that this this these this, these uh, these four walls and, and this location is, a, is is a good spot. For. <laughs> for making music. Absolutely.
1: Here's more from Booker T Jones live on Bill Street Caravan. <laughs>
0: Was Booker T. Jones live on Beale Street Caravan. With more from Booker T, visit www.bookert.com.
1: We'll be back with more music from Booker T in just a bit.
0: Up next, Grammy nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation and it's also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes.
3: The Chevrolet pulled to the curb and stopped. It was a two-door 54, black, white rag, and white wall tires. It looked as long as a city block with sharp fins on the back. Grimes jumped out of his bedroom window at the sight of the Chevy and ran for it. The passenger door opened. Everybody was jammed in there. Mickey, Frog, Tally, and Floyd in back. Big Ella up front. The bass fiddle practically pushed the back seat into the trunk and rested on the dash between Big Ella and the driver. At the wheel was Rufus Thomas. Welcome to the Bearcats, Rufus announced. He threw the Chevy into gear and swerved into the street. Grimes had to squeeze beside Big Ella in the front seat. We got a young buck, she told others. Y'all speak correctly. From the back seat, Mickey said, His lean so clean, you could stir cabbage with it. Rufus laughed so loud that the car shook. He slowed down, put his forehead on the wheel and slapped a dash with his hand. Crimes forced a chuckle. Rufus drove from North Memphis down to Orange Mound. He pulled the big Chevy into the dirt lot behind the Brown Derby. The Bearcats unloaded and lugged their gear through the unlit yard, spotlighted in the high beams of other cars pulling in. They heard the meh from out of the darkness, and by the flickering light of the parking lot, they saw goats sprinkled all over the yard. Inside, guys rolled dice out of a leather horn straight onto the floor, but there was no time to get caught up in a game. Rufus set everyone up and took a moment with each instrument to show the musicians how to play his songs. Keep yourself in B flat, Rufus yelled, fingering the keys on Floyd's saxophone, and moving on. He picked up the drumsticks and flourished a beat for Grimes. What do you play, Rufus? The drummer asked. I can't play dead on any of them. Just give me a shuffle, Rufus said. That ended the rehearsal. The Bearcats shuffled into the first number. Big Ella took the mic. Rufus is a makeup artist. Big Ella said, half to the crowd, half to the band. He'll stand here and make up songs all night. I love you, honey. you made me feel so mean. me and groan. Big Ella told the audience, "Police arrested me for conjuring hoodoo." Rufus asked, "Yeah? What was the charge?" She said, 500 dollars." As the band shuffled, a lady in a sleek black dress caught every eye in the joint as she performed the newest dance. She rocked her hips all the way down to the floor. Rufus followed everyone's eyes and channeled their thoughts. They didn't want her to stop. He owed them everything he could do to help. He sang. After the show, everyone packed back into Rufus's car, fitting in the seats around the bass fiddle. "'Gotta go to work,' Rufus said. "'It's five o'clock in the morning, "'and my shift at the textile mill starts at six. Grimes asked, "'Rufus, why you do all this, man?' Rufus said, "'Cause every time I think I got my ends to meet, "'somebody come up and move the ends.'" "'It's gonna be the death of you,' Big Ella told him. "'I'm gonna survive,' Rufus said." And I'm going to do something recognizable so when I pass off this land of the living, I will be remembered. And after struggling to remain awake for 57 and a half cents an hour, Rufus headed toward his next job, hosting the Sepia Swing Club on radio station WDIA. For Rufus, WDIA made strange connections. The station broke barriers in the outside world. Every DJ was black. Every show aimed for a black audience. But the owners were all white, and the DJs weren't allowed behind the glass between the studio and the engineer. The contradiction came to a head, so to speak. The place had only one bathroom. Rufus opened the door and stared into it. It Looked pretty much the same as the one in his house. He looked around. Nobody. He thought, I am part of this institution, and I'm not going to go outside anymore. He walked in and slammed the door. And when he stepped back out, Rufus was standing face-to-face with a guy who was either IRS or FBI. Horn-rimmed glasses, skinny black tie, starched white shirt. I'm Jim Stewart, the man said. We listen to you all the time down at the studio. Picking up his chin off the floor, Rufus calmly asked, what studio would that be? Satellite records, Jim said. Brand new. In fact, I brought you this. He handed Rufus a record and his business card. Maybe you could give it a spin? Rufus had the record on the air before Mr. G-Man got back in the car. Rufus watched Stuart flip on the radio. Stuart looked back towards Rufus, nodded his head one time, and smiled. I'm
2: just a fool in love with you. You said you love me.
3: From D.I.A., it was time to stop home for a quick bite, then take the bear cats back out into the night. Though Rufus barely had time to think, much less go to the bathroom, a song had been bubbling in his mind. He thought about bantering with Big Ella on the stage like an old married couple. They always came together at the end, kissed and made up. In his living room, Rufus grabbed a cardboard sign that advertised his show at the Brown Derby. He turned it over and jotted down some verses out of his mind. It was a totally different twist on a duet, unlike anything else on the radio, fast-paced and driving, not sing-songy syrup. Rufus had just a few minutes before he needed to leave again for the next shift. He raced around the house and grabbed up his tape recorder. With no Big Ella around, he needed someone to fill in the female lead and called for his teenage daughter. Rufus put the tape recorder on top of the TV set. He and his daughter Carla stood in the living room in front of the TV, belting out the song like they were on stage. Rufus scattered out the instrumental breaks and soft-shoed in his sock feet while Carla sang. It was a ten-minute masterpiece, and he knew just who to show it to. He grabbed the tape and the business card and hit the door. The next afternoon, Jim Stewart called him at WDIA, and in no time, Rufus parked his 54 at the curb outside the Satellite Record studio. It was really an old movie theater. He walked in and looked up at the high, curving ceiling and down across the hard floor that slanted to where the screen used to be. The Bearcats were already there waiting. To their surprise, Rufus walked in with a new female vocalist, his 17-year-old daughter. Grimes smiled at Carla. Are you Big Ella? He asked. Big Ella can tear a house apart, Rufus said, but she don't come across on record. Rufus led the recording session like he directed his gigs. Rufus hummed the melody, clapped the time, and the musicians played it back for him until they got it right. One thing didn't translate from the Bearcats live act, though. The shuffle. Grimes spoke up. I heard this New Orleans beat they called the heebie-jeebie, he demonstrated, like that song, oop Poop a doo I love it, Rufus shouted. After two takes, Jim Stewart stepped out, holding out a record for Rufus. Maybe you can give it a spin, Jim smiled. Rufus kicked off the next sepia swing hour in grand ceremony. I've been telling you about the big record Carla and I recorded, and we do think it's big. Here it is. Cause I love you. you
2: best girl
3: A struggling little music company had its first big hit. It would soon change its name from Satellite to Stax Records, and Rufus Thomas soon worked his last shift at the textile mill.
0: Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. Caravan has brought the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years, and now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website, or go to IListenToMemphis.com.
1: I Listen To Memphis is about Memphis music today, the people who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. I Listen Bill Street Caravan is supported by awards from Memphis Travel and Tennessee Arts Commission. We're back, and if you just turned us on, we're listening to a live and private concert with Booker T. Jones at Stax Museum Studio A.
0: While it wasn't a fully public performance, the recording we're listening to included an in-studio audience of Memphis music dignitaries. And that felt like a real family gathering.
1: That's right, Pat. One look around the room accounted for numerous Grammy Awards, chart-topping hits, and numerous other accolades. In fact, Later in the week, several of the attendees, Mr. Jones in particular, will be honored at the Memphis Music Hall of Fame.
0: Speaking of Green Onions, the song at the center of the celebration, it accounts for a great deal of honors on its very own.
1: Aside from being probably the best known American pop music instrumental, the song netted the MG's a number one hit on the U.S. R&B chart that fell from the top spot and returned not once, but three times over the course of several weeks in 1962.
0: It's usage in film and television means that it's never too far out of the collective consciousness of people all over the world.
1: Oh, and that doesn't even account for how often the song is played in stadiums across the world, thanks to its popularity in baseball arenas in America and, believe it or not, cricket elsewhere.
0: It's one of those earworms that tons of people know, even if they don't know that they know it. And since it's an instrumental, all you have to do is hum to get people to say, ah, I know that song.
1: Isn't that remarkable that one of the most famous songs in the world doesn't feature a lead singer, but a lead organist? Only in Memphis, baby.
0: Here's more from Booker T. Jones, live on Bill Street Caravan.
2: Specific memories come to mind when you look at look at these four walls. I remember sitting uh, over here with Otis Redding the first time. Hello there, that's my beautiful wife. Hey, man. <laughs> and ha- and hearing him sing for the first time, and I remember well recording Green Onion, It's kind of close to where the Hammond was, and I remember the configuration, and <clears throat> and of course the the, the, the over overriding thought is that I was supposed to be in church. I was supposed to be at Mount Olive Cathedral playing for the men's Bible class. But I wasn't, I was here.
1: <laughs> I, I'm remiss because we, we talked about your birthday and we talked about life and we talked about time and time being tight and, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if this might be a shock to everybody, your, your, your daughter is in, in labor right, right now, is that correct? She's, the baby's
2: maybe, Maybe still inside her now. <laughs> so, Maybe, I don't know. congratulations to you and Nan and your family. Thank you. <laughs> uh,
1: you've been through this before, but I mean, how, how does how does that feel? I mean, first of all, we appreciate you being here with us, and in, 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 in light of that, and we know you can't necessarily plan for that. And uh, but we know your mind and your heart and your spirit is with your family, but you're, mm-hmm. you're here with us. Uh, you know.
2: How do, how do you feel in, in life? Well, you know, the new, the new babies, they're so beautiful. They put you in your place. They let you know you're dispensable. <laughs> it's somebody else's turn, you know. It's, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, and we just hope to get a little time with, with, with this little girl. Beautiful, we hope to get you back soon, and congratulations to you as well, man. Uh,
1: So we're here talking the 60th anniversary of Green Onions. Uh, I don't know if if, uh, this might be a shock to you or strength to you. I'm I'm 29 years old. I'm I'm a young man. Uh, Green Onions uh, has just been out there in the ether, carrying me through life. And uh, it took for me to become an adult, to understand exactly uh, the dimensions and the depth of of what Green Onions means to this community, but also to be someone from this community and, and have such a ubiquitous song uh, that, that's, you know, omnipresent in, in media and, and mm-hmm. it, it just, it's everywhere in, in commercials and in, in film and in television. And so, growing mm-hmm. up, it's like this little light of mine. I mean, it's one of those songs that, that it, you know it, you know it, and the only difference, mm-hmm. I think, is that because it's an instrumental, if someone doesn't necessarily know the name of it, doesn't necessarily know the, the artist, mm-hmm. you gotta hum it for them. Everyone knows the tune. Uh, so, I mean, is, is that odd to, to, to have a song that, that transcends genre, transcends time, transcends uh, moments, and also almost transcends e- even needing a name? It's, it's a tune that, that is, you're almost born with it in your, your head and in your heart.
2: Is that strange? It is. It is odd. And it's uh, unexpected and also welcome. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I remember here when the moment came, uh, we, we played the intro, and when the, when the moment came for me to play the solo, and I remember trying to think of talking through the keys, you know, trying to express myself with the, the da 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 you know, like a sentence or something that was coming out of my mind. I remember that moment very well. And I think it was a culmination of <clears throat> so much of the training I'd had in the years before, training up at, at Booker Washington High School from uh, Mr. Martin and Mr. McDaniels, and training out at... Curry's club from Ben Branch on how to how to play and, and uh, how to play different instruments. I think it was a culmination of of learning how to express yourself on a musical instrument that I got here. Uh, so I just felt like I was sitting there talking with the organ.
1: Give it up for for, for Green Onions. I mean, just what it what it has done to to kickstart this 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 legacy that we sit in today. Um, it's been a while since we've sat, and I appreciate seeing you always. Uh, the pandemic, of course, is the is the big elephant in the room that has uh, kept kept you from from being in this space with us in uh, in fellowship and in communion mm-hmm. and in community. What's been new? I mean, what's been going on, and, and how has uh, the the medical crisis mm-hmm. uh, affected your life personally and your life as an artist, as a family man, and, and as a human?
2: Well, you know, it's been a, 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 a a smart virus. It's been uh, very, very difficult for us to uh, deal with it. So we ended up being home for two years and uh, not playing, not being on the road. That's been difficult, not playing for people. Um, but I, <clears throat> I, I worked in my studio at home and uh, we visited family and, you know, we, we, we had, the, had the time, let the time pass that way. Um, but it's a formidable uh, task to try to defeat this particular one. It keeps coming back in different forms. <laughs> uh, well,
1: we heard a beautiful rendition earlier of "Lift Every Voice and Sing" from uh, current students and alumni of the Stax Music Academy, and you know it's always beautiful to see them out at se- separate, several events out in the community uh, each year. And you know you see people uh, like Tia, who's gone on to work with Tank and the Bangas, and they, they find, you know jobs and careers and music Mm -hmm. and so this this pipeline and this legacy continues to move forward Uh, You know a lot of people when they talk about the Memphis sound uh, as it is and as it were They speak very often about feel and just feeling things through Mm -hmm. and Memphis isn't a Memphis is a studio town but it isn't Mm -hmm. it isn't a, um, a, a a it isn't it isn't a union town, a music union town. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't punch a clock in our studios. We, we feel our way through it, we just get our way through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know of, of your uh, biography and of uh, many others who were a mm-hmm. part of, of this soul music legacy. Mm-hmm. One comes to mind is Lester Snell, who's mm-hmm. here with us today, that, that went to school and no music and no theory and know mm-hmm. how important education is in music. And so uh, in light of the Sax Music Academy, I mean, do you have any thoughts about about education, about theory, about film mm-hmm. and how it all fits into uh, this legacy that you are a uh, noted art-
2: architect of. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let me go back to your first point. On the contrary, in Memphis, the Musicians' Union was very, very strong. It was definitely a brotherhood. And I've been in the Musicians' Union since then because of the union here. Uh, and uh, they made sure that we got paid for our work. And it was a beautiful organization. Uh, and. In terms of feel, I I would like to present that that term was coined by Al Jackson Jr. Maybe here it was, you know, yeah, it's, it 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 sounds good, but how does it feel? How does it feel? Does it feel like this is the right way to play this? And that became um, uh, an ubiquitous term around you know, play with feel. Um, and in terms of the education, oh my God, there was just <clears throat> I have so many. Uh, ways that I was educated, uh, uh, intellectually and emotionally, uh, from the churches to the, my grandmother was a piano teacher and she had Debussy on her piano and my mother played that for me. uh, And um, of course there was Mrs. Cole over in Orleans who had a a Hammond organ that cost more than our house. and she was just so determined to have me play the right notes with the right fingers. She had her little, her little stick, and she could hit any, any one of your fingers that she wanted to with that stick at any time she wanted to, in case you were. and, you know, I don't know if she was looking or not, but, uh, but she is the one who introduced me to J.S. Bach and, and uh, the more uh, intellectual European uh, composers. And she's also the one that introduced me to this, I an organ, and she is the one who taught me how to move my fingers on it. She's physically showed me, do it this way, sit this way, get your back like this, don't slouch, and, and I mean, just every aspect of it was taught by her, and that's why I had the paper route, to pay the high price of her lessons. The paper route is also what led me here, trying to get, trying to get customers uh, so that I could uh, pay for those expensive piano lessons. <laughs>
1: my, my mother, who's here today, was also educated by Miss Elmertha Cole. So, really, shout out to my mother. and Hopefully, she well, didn't hit man. her knuckles. I would love all. to hear her take on it.
2: <laughs> Thank you. As mm-hmm.
1: uh, closely tied as, as uh, your leg- legacy is to Memphis Soul, you've done so much abroad, um, at, you know, leaving the company here, uh, you know, to, to travel the globe and to travel the U.S. and, and work with. Uh, many esteemed artists uh, almost right away. Um, You'll be enshrined in the Memphis Music Hall of Fame coming up soon, and we're excited for that. Congratulations to you once again. Um, You, you of course, were already enshrined for your accomplishments with Booker T and the MGs, but you'll be standing on your own here, and I think that's long overdue. I'm sure many would agree that that time uh, should have come
2: uh, already. So
1: congratulations one more time.
2: Thank you so much.
1: You know, Memphis is, is in a period right now of really hugging itself and celebrating itself through the good and through the bad, and and uh, bringing along uh, the bad to be better and, and highlighting the good to make it great. Uh, but you know, can you offer any insight for musicians who, who feel like maybe you know they can they want to fly the coop and get outside of home and do some other things away? You've done so much uh, for artists that are outside of what might be known as the Memphis sound. Can you offer any insight mm-hmm. there?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, anyone who was born and raised here in the music community as a lucky person. I've heard uh, some musicians say, well, it's in the water. I'm not, well, the water is carrying older people who teach younger people how to do it. And that is so, uh, it's everywhere. It's uh, every person that I came close to taught me how to do something uh, for free. and. Uh, Mr. McClellan, over on Edith, how to put my fingers on a clarinet. And uh, Mr. Martin at Porter Junior High School, uh, how to play the oboe. And so I learned so many different instruments. And then the opportunity to do it. Rufus Thomas allowed me to play baritone sax on his song. And Willie Mitchell allowed me on his stage playing bass and baritone sax. Just the generosity and the caring for the community in general has been, I, I don't know if it exists in other places, but it's here. And, and it seems to still be here. And that, that we need to be really thankful for, that that uh, sense of uh, uh, caring for young musicians and, and sharing is so uh, ubiquitous here. Amazing. That's, that's um, what Memphis is about. Um, <laughs> So and, we are
1: mm-hmm. oh, sorry to make control.
2: And I think there's, uh, in addition to that, there's something more. I think there are places on the earth that are just special for certain things. Uh, maybe, maybe a city in Paris that's good, that's great for art. Memphis is just a great place for music to be created. And, and it's happened all over in, un, in, in special uh, uh, places that were unexpected. Uh, high Studios, Sun Studios. And um, it's, it's just amazing.
1: We are here at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music, Mm -hmm. and we are celebrating this time and in this place. Mm -hmm. 20 years of the museum, uh, Mm -hmm. we've seen the students and the alumni of the Academy, the Soulsville School, this incredible facility that we are in today. Mm -hmm. I mean, just to wrap it up, I mean, what does all of this, being here as a resource to this community and to the world that visits Memphis, Mm -hmm. for those many
2: reasons you just noted, what does that mean for, for you? For me personally, it's 60 years. 60 years, uh, two months ago. Uh, well, more than 60 years. And that's just amazing. Uh, I, I, you get a perspective on time that's different when, you, when you're uh, 79 and then when you're 29. Time looks a little different. And uh, you, you, you learn to appreciate just current moments because you can't comprehend the whole thing. It's just too much. So you, you begin to live in the moment and appreciate the moment, and uh, I remember the moments, and uh, I'm just so thankful for the moments, because, well, we had a moment today, I felt. I felt, uh, I felt like the music was really, I was really enjoying myself today, <laughs> and, and I'm thankful for that, and I think one of the reasons is because I'm here with, with these Franklin brothers and with you people, and um, I don't know, it's, uh, it's just a lesson learned me and and, uh, and uh, a moment appreciated.
1: Well, I appreciate you. I'm sure I can speak for everyone that, that, that we all appreciate you. Uh, we thank you. We love you, and we're proud to, to have you as a native son. Uh, but you know, I got I got to ask you one thing. When we were when we were together last, I took you downtown. We it's went in to, the
2: studio. <laughs> it's all set up. And I have all the records ready to go on it, but I haven't gotten to, I'm still having trouble with one of my digital audio workstations, but I'm gonna get there.
1: All right, so y'all heard him, hold them to it. I gave him Booker a DJ lesson. DJ Booker's gonna come back to Memphis and play for us? I will, I definitely right. will. Thank you so much for being here with You're us. Booker welcome. T. Jones, you. everybody.
0: more from Booker T. Jones live on Beale Street Caravan. Booker T. Jones, live on Beale Street Caravan. Found out more from Booker T. at BookerT.com.
1: Yes, log on and show this legendary musician you love. He may just be in your city soon.
0: He's a treat to see perform behind the organ, on guitar, and on the microphone. Be sure to get in front of him if he comes to where you live.
1: Street Caravan is supported by awards from Memphis Travel and Tennessee Arts Commission. We like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You won't find programming like this anywhere else.
0: You can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? tell us why and use the hashtag I listen to Memphis.
1: Go to our website at billstreetcaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be
0: next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week, so until then, I'm Pat Mitchell Worley and I'm Jared Boyd, and you've been listening to the Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan.